This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Measured Thoughts on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here's your host, David Reepstein. Oh, it's Halloween week, and I'm delighted to be with you. So let me say welcome, welcome, welcome to Measured Thoughts with Dave Reepstein on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Dave Reepstein, and I'm joining you here on Sirius XM Channel 111, which I do every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, and we are replayed throughout the week. So today on the show, we have Brian Killingsworth, who's the chief marketing officer of the newly formed First year in in the league, Vegas Golden Knights hockey team in Vegas? Really? In Vegas? Well, that's what it is, and i got to find out more about that. So let me remind you, what we're going to be doing on today's show is we have two different segments. Uh, in the first half, any of you can certainly call in and ask questions of our guest, Brian Killingsworth. As I said, he's the CMO of the newly formed NHL franchise, the Vegas Golden Knights. After that, we're going to open the phone lines for your calls. So you can feel free to call in with reaction to our interview with Brian. And even more so, any general question that you have about marketing, we'd absolutely be glad to talk to you. So if you want, you can give us a call here at the station. I'm going to give you that number, so hang on. I want to remind you, you're listening to Measured Thoughts with Dave Reepstein on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. You can call us. Here's the number. 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. You can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at biz, that's B-I-Z, radio, 111. But without further ado, I want to get to Brian and say, welcome, Brian. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. Um, really excited to hear about your new venture, and let's start off with talking about what's your role, what's your specific role with the Vegas Golden Knights, and let me understand what it is you do. So I'm the chief marketing officer for the Vegas Golden Knights, and I uh, also handle the marketing for the Foley Family Wines Group. So our owner, Bill Foley, has a number of different portfolios on the wine side, and uh, so I try to collaborate on all that, and um, it's a really exciting time for us now with the season just kicked off we're six and one and uh it's been a lot of fun six and one for an expansion team come on yeah it's maybe not how you drew it up but this town has really gotten behind us and the players have really responded well and six and one start you can't ask for that Uh, that that's a perfect way to get out of the gate and that's got to be very exciting for you don't tell me you don't have enough time in your cmo job that you have to do this other uh wine marketing as well yeah, well, you know, that's the great thing about our owner, Bill Foley, is he's got his hands on a lot of very creative things. And for me, it's an opportunity to continue to grow and learn uh, that side of the business. And we're looking for ways to try to partner both the hockey side and the wine side together. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so is the wine sold at the uh, at the rink, at the arena? Yeah, we've got a little bit of that. Um, he's got a number of different wineries around California and everywhere from New Zealand and in a number of different locations, and so we're trying to uh, continue to grow the footprint of the Foley Family Wine Group here in Las Vegas as well. Since you said trying to grow your expertise, um, let's talk about where you've come from before you uh, you took on this role, because I think it's really interesting. Tell, tell us a little bit about your uh, professional career. 
Well, I have been blessed. My career has been uh, something that that people only dream about. I've worked uh, in sports all my life. I started with the Tampa Bay Rays on the baseball side, really running baseball camps uh, back in 2002, and really grew my career there over the course of 10 years on the marketing side with different functions like advertising and promotions and really brand building and learned a lot. And I kind of wanted to try my hand at uh, the football side, and so went to St. Louis and was the VP of marketing and brand strategy for the St. Louis Rams for three years, and then uh, continued the NFL journey with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for two years as their CMO, and now this opportunity in Vegas where you get a chance to really start something from scratch is uh, really a special thing for anybody in their career. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and had a chance to do that and jumped at the opportunity. So when I saw that in your background, I thought, well, this is really, really interesting. This is somebody who knows the marketing of sports. But I'm real curious about how different it is marketing in the NHL versus in the NFL or, or MLB. And so um, and maybe you're going to tell me, no, there's a lot more similar than there is different. What, what, first of all, what's the biggest differences? I'd say the biggest difference is probably the length of the schedule. Um, you know, you win baseball, you're really talking about 81 home games, and then you go to football, and it's really eight uh, regular season home games. And now in hockey, it's 41. And so, you know, you learn a, a little bit from each, and uh, I really had to market and make the big games bigger. And throughout my career, I've had some really unique stops in different markets. And Tampa's probably closer, um, similar in market. Uh, size and and makeup to Vegas than St. Louis. St. Louis, it was almost everybody's from St. Louis. And so it was a little bit different mentality in terms of marketing there. And, and in Tampa and Vegas, there's a lot of transplants. And so you really try to build upon that and try to develop the next generation fan as we try to do that with kids and families. And, and so there's a lot similar there. But you're right, there's there's probably more similarities and differences in terms of marketing products, and you're still trying to really promote the game and, and trying to really um, generate excitement around the team and, and really try to grow your fan base through members. Yeah, so one of the other big differences, I would think, is that with those two, with the three other ones that you had done before, those were established teams when you went to work for them versus here, one of the things that you're doing is a, a totally new team in a new market. Yeah, and that's what's so exciting about it. When I um, started back in July, it was an opportunity to, to really start from, from something from scratch, but this market already had shown considerable success in terms of fan interest, and uh, they had already sold through a ton of their season tickets, and, and they uh, basically had a deposit waiting list, and they converted the majority of those to season ticket members. And uh, so there was this great fever pitch around the community for the team. And so, you know, what I was trying to do when I first got on board was really try to um, help augment the market in terms of growing the fan base of non-hockey fans because hockey fans responded incredibly well. And so what we're going to continue to try to do is to build Las Vegas into an incredible hockey market by really putting a lot of our resources and efforts into youth hockey and some of the initiatives that we're doing there to try to grow that next generation fan base. But it's really been exciting to walk around town and to see this brand evolve from scratch. Yeah, actually, that's a real interesting aspect of trying to think about 
capitalizing on the hockey fan base that happened to be in Vegas? Because I can't imagine there was a huge hockey base that, you know, when when we're talking about Minnesota or cold climates where there's lots of kids that are out skating on the uh, on the ice and ice skating rinks are everywhere. I can't imagine that in Vegas that uh, you could find an, uh, a hockey rink. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, fans already had an affinity towards another team, whether they were born there or they grew up there. Or, you know, so there was a lot of that, that they were fans of the Kings or the Sharks or the Coyotes or the Rangers or the Islanders. And so you've had these built-in fan bases that, that are hockey fans, but our job is to convert them to Golden Knights fans. And that's why we're going to do a lot in terms of reaching more kids and really trying to pull the family dynamic in through that angle. And uh, But it's been really, really interesting to see our game days because it's a, it's a very knowledgeable hockey base. They know when to cheer. They know how to react. They know an icing penalty. It's really interesting to see how, um, how responsive they are to just the rules of the game. And, uh, and really – this city has adopted us as their own because we truly are the first major professional sports team here in Vegas. And so we're really going through with a Vegas-born type of campaign because, you know, we're the first team that's here. And it's really interesting to see because uh, fans, even non-fans, just the community is rallying behind this team. It's really something special that I've never been a part of in my career like this. Yeah, I want to pursue that a little bit more. But first, let me remind our audience, you're listening to Measured Thoughts with Dave Reepstein on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. And we're currently speaking with Brian Killingsworth, who's the chief marketing officer of the Vegas Golden Knights. And you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Brian, let's talk about, you know, being the first professional sports team in Vegas. And um, and I'm trying to think, are you marketing primarily to the local residents? Or, you know, one of the unique characteristics about Vegas is the number of tourists that come into town. So how are you balancing tourists versus full-timers? Great question. So there's about 2.2 million people that live in Vegas and about 43 million tourists that come through the market each year. And so for us, we wanted to build a sustainable product. And about 85 to 90 percent of our season ticket members are local. And that was key to our growth and our sustainability long-term because most of the shows on the Strip are about 5% local. But uh, T-Mobile Arena is down on the Strip, and we wanted to make sure we stayed local and grew local. And so predominantly all of our season ticket memberships are are based local, and I think that's going to help us out as we continue to grow. We do have some visiting team fans that come in, and so our groups uh, are considered uh, visiting team fans and a lot of local uh, convention center groups that come in, and so we can pull on that. And so if you're talking in terms of strict marketing, really trying to market here locally and uh, the surrounding areas. And, you know, for those that haven't visited Vegas, it's I think there's a perception that it's just the Strip, but it's so much more. It's a lot more depth to it. It's a great family community in Summerlin and Henderson and the surrounding areas. And so really trying to blanket the area as much as possible and really become this regional franchise. Our TV deal with AT&T Sports Network allows us really a unique access into multi-sport regions and so we've got the largest tv territory in the nhl and so as we look to build really along that lines we're really trying to grow regionally and then we also want to become that lifestyle brand internationally and so that's where we're going to do a lot 
around merchandise and you know, if you fly in and out of McCarran Airport in uh, in Vegas, you'll see, you know, we've got a pretty heavy merchandise presence at the airport. We want people, when they go visit Vegas, we want them to take home a piece of Vegas with them, and we hope that they choose a Vegas Golden Knights jersey now going forward. I think it makes tons of sense to, lo- uh, to focus on the local residents because if you're going to the tourist, you're going to have to replenish that every time. Exactly. Whereas if you can get the local residents, then that makes tons of sense. Uh, well, we've got a caller on the line for you right now, and uh, it's Jim from Texas. So, Jim, uh, how can we help you? Hi, Brian. Uh, glad, glad Vegas got the hockey team. Uh, a little background, a little question for you. I'm originally from Buffalo. I live in South Texas now, and I was involved in a uh, franchise uh, down here when the old CHL had a franchise down here. Uh, since merged with the ECHL, and and we, uh, since I was from Buffalo, I played ice hockey there, and we developed a youth hockey program here. One of the challenges we had was, uh, you know, getting an ice rink and getting the kids out to play. It's extraordinarily expensive to uh, to have kids play hockey. The the cost of ice time, especially in a hot climate, the, the cost of equipment. What are you guys doing up? there in Vegas to try to grow this market for these kids. Yeah, so I hear two questions in there for you, um, Brian. One is, what are you doing about the number of, of rinks and the limited uh, availability of that for youth hockey? And then secondly, what are you doing to try and help really market this whole concept to uh, to the youth in that area? So our owner, Bill Foley, developed this incredible facility with two sheets of ice. It's called City National Arena. And in Summerlin, right near downtown Summerlin. And so what we really see this as is a community asset. So the team practices here full-time, but on any given day on the same facility, you could also have kids on the other rank that are learning to skate and learning to play on the other rank. And we've had some really memorable moments here recently. We've had, uh, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, um, he was uh, – in one of the team practices, and then right after, he jumped over to the other sheet of ice and was uh, was playing goalie for kids, just having a chance to kind of pile around. So you're developing these lifelong moments and memories. But um, you're right about sheets of ice. You got to have sheets of ice in order to learn to play the game. And uh, for us now, there's four locally, and we're looking to expand that. We're uh, we're doing a lot. Uh, I know uh, Jim referenced the cost of hockey, but uh, this team is doing a lot to really encourage kids to play and to learn to skate first because there's a natural progression where you learn to skate first and then you learn to play the game of hockey. And so we're going to be really active and we're going to help subsidize some of those programs for kids locally because um, we do know that sometimes it can get pretty costly, but we've got subsidies in place where we are able to, to work with kids and families from that perspective. And, you know, as we go out to develop areas and this obviously being a desert climate, um, as we, we learn, you know, stick hockey and, and roller hockey and learning the game that way. We're going to be pretty active in the schools here in Clark County, and we're going to be developed curriculum based around the, the rules of, of hockey and the game as a whole. And, you know, it's a tremendous sport. It's a great sport to learn all the different valuable life lessons in terms of character and team development and dedication and commitment. And so we really feel like it's important to just expose as many kids as possible to the sport and give them that opportunity. And as we continue to grow our presence here, Around uh, Las Vegas and beyond, you know, you'll see us, you know, look to potentially lay down some more sheets of ice. And I think somebody told me the other day that Anaheim now is up to 20 sheets of ice. So you wow. can see how a market like that can continue to continue to grow 
Um, and that's just kind of how we see this long term. Great, great answer, Brian. And I take it that your uh, experience with youth baseball when you first started out uh, in Tampa Bay uh, probably really helped with that. So it sounds like you're really making an investment in the community to try and help make hockey more available. That's wonderful. So thank you, Jim. Thanks for the great question. Really appreciate it. And anyone else who wants to give us a call, you can call us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. One of the things I am curious about, and it really relates to one of your earlier comments that you made, Brian, is um, you really have this, this unique aspect of being the first and only professional sports team in uh, in Las Vegas, um, you know, I guess one of the reasons that uh, Vegas never had previous sports teams was there were concern about gambling. Uh, but now that we have gambling everywhere, I guess that concern has pretty much gone away. Is that is that what sort of opened the door? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Commissioner Batman obviously vetted this opportunity with our owner Bill Foley, and this was a market that was ripe for a major professional sports franchise and hockey was the right vehicle to do that and um yeah we've had uh pure um in terms of just the gambling issue we've had no instances of that we've had no issues in terms of having to deal that with with the league and with other teams coming in and you know we're obviously cognizant as a franchise uh of that and but we're, there's been nothing to react to and we don't see that as an issue anymore and once the NHL cleared that hurdle you know, you got to see, you know, progress being made with the Raiders and, and the relocation in 2020. And now WNBA franchise is relocating here. And it's uh, it's truly becoming not only the entertainment capital of the world, but one day become the sports capital of the world as well. Uh, so does it help being the only professional sports team in town or um, or do you think that hurts you? I think it helps us right now because... Residents of Las Vegas, they're looking to really grab hold of something. They want, they're proud of this city and they're proud uh, of this area, and they want they want something to represent this area. And, and it's uh, you know we we had a, a tragedy that happened that everybody is familiar with on one October, and you know the way that this community rallied behind the first responders and really honored the victims, and to see how strangers were helping strangers. You know we knew it was our responsibility as this first major professional sports franchise to help in the healing process and you know for us it was we had our game um on the 10th that was our home opener and we really wanted to to really shift gears and really focus on that aspect focus on celebrating the first responders and honoring the victims and and i think that was uh just a tremendously special night uh as we as we opened up this franchise and but for us it's not having any other uh, sports teams here in the market, it was our responsibility to handle it that way, and and we think it uh, it's definitely it's 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 good for this city to have a professional sports franchise, and we're honored to be that. Yeah, there's been a lot written up about what it is you did for that uh, that opening night to honor uh, those that were the first responders as well as the victims. It sort of is interesting. I think about all the plans that must have been in place for opening night. And then suddenly, with short notice, you had to change what it is that you were doing. How much, uh, how difficult was that? You know, it was was something that we just didn't even think about the difficulty. We just all jumped into gear, and uh, it was such a tragedy. And the first day after, on that that Monday, we were all just processing and and trying to make sure that everybody was safe, you know, know, whether it be 
staff first and staff families and our partners with MGM and uh, in the arena and AEG and just making sure that everybody was accounted for and safe. And and then, uh, yeah, obviously we spent the last, you know, whether it be eight to ten months really working on this launch and doing it the right way. And when this tragedy happened, I think we all just realized the responsibility that we had. And um, our entertainment group, Johnny Greco, leads that group, and he did a tremendous job in, in handling the game entertainment the right way. And it was, uh, it was something that we're all extremely proud about. We actually called the Red Sox to kind of see how they handled their tragedy oh, with the marathon bombing, and, and they um, they gave us a lot of good wisdom for that, that process and just the, the way that the Red Sox helped in the healing after that event. And, um, and so for us, it was just everybody um, doing what they needed to do to make it right and for the community. But the, the most rewarding thing for me is – is when we went down to the locker room and started asking the players if they wanted to spend the next two days, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of that week, out in the community. And, and to a man, every single one of them, we had 100% participation. They went out in the community and they served. They went to the blood banks. They went to the hospitals. They met with first responders. They met with local police and fire. And it was really special to see um, the impact that we can have just in showing that appreciation and and uh, it, was a, it was a week that I'll never forget. Wow, that sounds like uh, you handled it exceptionally well. I'm re- I think that's just wonderful that you did. I am curious, since you mentioned um, you know, calling the Red Sox, it's interesting. The, the marathon bombing happened right at the beginning of the baseball season also. And so uh, the Red Sox had sort of an analogous situation. So that's interesting. But let me ask you a, a, a variant off of that, which is, how much sharing is there across teams within the NHL? That is, and when I talk about sharing, I'm talking about sharing of sort of your your activities, your marketing activities, and are you able to learn a lot from them? And while you're competitors on the ice against these other teams, you're not competitors for ticket sales. Uh, so what, what, do you, what are you able to get from the other teams? You know, that's a great question. And for us, I think it's just the sports community as a whole. There's a lot of great sharing that I've already found, not only from the league level. Um, so the NHL is really good about sharing best practices and giving us insight into different like markets, you know, that are uh, warm climate markets and how they kind of grew their fan base. We've learned a lot from Nashville, from San Jose, from Arizona, um, the Kings as well. And so there's a lot of that. You know, at any point I can pick up the phone and, and reach out to one of my colleagues, and and everybody's really good about sharing that, the best practices. And you know, it's. But I, w- I wouldn't say it's just restricted to uh, the NHL. I think sports as a whole. You know, as you continue to work in sports, you develop this network, and the network always expands to multiple teams. And you know, so you're always just a phone call away from getting information. And I think as a whole, teams are really open to sharing whether it's sponsorship deals or ticket sales approaches or marketing campaigns or whatever it might be. But I think that's the beauty of uh, this tight network uh, that is sports. And, you know, we really try to take uh, from, from, from successful teams and hopefully give back to other teams that are looking for information. And, you know, we know that one day we're going to be up against it and, and needing a tip. And so we try to offer up um, the same from, from our perspective. So are are there any real nuggets that you think you could identify right now that uh, you learned from, from one of the other teams? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, well, the the Red Sox were extremely instrumental. That one's just fresh because it, it just happened. They, sure. You know, they talked about how important it was to really um, make sure your people were taken care of first and then to really do the right thing to, by honoring the community. And, and just they detailed diff- different ways that they handled that. Um, for us, uh, really looking at uh, just growing the youth market, um, I'd say we've gotten a lot of good advice directly from Nashville and from Arizona and then from uh, from Anaheim uh, in terms of how to build it the right way uh, at the youth level. And similar to what our, our caller, Jim, said first, you know, it's important to have the sheets of ice, but it's, it's important to make hockey accessible. Hockey is for everyone is really the campaign that the NHL has right now, and it's true. I mean, we want total inclusion. We want it to be um, – we want to get rid of the barriers of entry. We want to encourage kids to play at all ages, at all levels, indoor, outdoor. And so for us, it's uh, how can we showcase the game uh, as much as possible. We learned a lot from multiple teams in that account. That's great. You know, you just reminded me of the availability of ice question. Um, you'll find this hard to believe, but right across the street from me is a family that are ice hockey junkies. And they built this house, and their basement has a basement. And their basement's basement is an ice hockey rink. <laughs> wow. And they're able to, from the basement, have a view down into the basement's basement and watch their kids play hockey down there. Who has a hockey rink in their own basement? But it's pretty amazing to, to think <laughs> about that. So you, you need some space. You know, come to my neighborhood. We've, we've got a house that's got that. So no problem Great. at all. They should start selling tickets for that. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty amazing. Um, I do want to talk to you about some of what it is that you've done, which I think is really interesting. Um, when I think about a team, you have to develop a brand. And, um, and I'm curious about the name The Golden Knights. And I'm also curious about the lack of loss. That is, you're the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, where did that come from? Well, our owner was uh, very instrumental in the logo and the name um, from the start. Bill Foley had a vision for this franchise, and it was about the epitome of a knight, uh, is is the warrior class, always advancing, never retreating, protect the unprotected. And so, uh, obviously, with and his it, background... It, it, it had nothing to do with spearing? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. It did not. It was... Uh, it was all about uh, his background. Um, you know, it's 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 about the warrior class. And so for him, it was interesting when we did a lot of research with with Adidas because uh, Mr. Foley worked hand in hand with Adidas to develop the logo and the color scheme, and uh, and and the question specifically about Las versus Vegas. I mean, it was a lot of research went into that. Uh, most of it basically dictated that. Uh, that when people referred to the team, uh, or excuse me, uh, the area, they would refer to it as Vegas, right? That was kind of the nomenclature that that uh, that most people adopted, more so than just Las Vegas. You know, it was almost the the, the shortened version was was kind of the uh, preferred choice, and so um, that's what the team decided to go with, and and so Vegas Golden Knights it became, and everybody is uh, extremely excited. The merchandise has been tremendously well received and that's an area that that i oversee and it's been incredible to see the growth of of this and it's you know i told mr foley before i got here that i think it's the best logo in all sports it's clean it's got the negative elements it's got bright colors and you know it's got a tremendous appeal to it and 
you know, we think that it's going to become this lifestyle brand more so than just a hockey brand. Wow. And you would think with his wine experience, he knows labels and ought to have a good sense of labels as well. But that's that's really interesting to think about how it is that you've done that. And I also appreciate that you did the research to find out what consumers or fans might uh, normally refer to the city as and, and with it being Vegas. So uh, I, I am curious, how are you marketing the team? And I, I look at your 6-1 and one record, which has got to help. And so I'm trying to think about how you're going to continue to market it uh, over the season. You know, the you really can't be dependent on the on the product on the ice. We've been extremely fortunate to get off to such a great start. Uh, but for us, it was all about our real theme and our campaign this year is is about the launch of this franchise. Our campaign is Vegas born. And so what we're really trying to do is to really become that community asset that people feel in this community proud of. They're proud of to wear our logo, our jersey. They're proud of the, the players that represent our organization. And so you won't see us do a lot of single-player call-out. Um, you know, and throughout my career, I've, I've had a lot of different stops where sometimes you you try to quell the urge to get one player out over another and market that player almost exclusively. And for one reason or another in sports, you never know what happens. So sometimes that player gets hurt or gets traded or released. And so for us, our general manager says it best. He says the logo is the, our face of the franchise. It's not one individual player over another. And so this year is all about marketing the Golden Knights as a whole, the brand, and doing it that way. Uh, we're Vegas-born, and so a lot of it is shared family time at the arena and so you'll see us do a lot in terms of how exciting the play is. Um, just hockey for the first time here in, in Las Vegas in terms of the professional major sports level. And so we're really celebrating that. And we're going to continue to be opportunistic with different games that, that we might need to push a little harder from a ticket sales standpoint. But all in all, we've been uh, pretty much over capacity for each of our home games so far. And so... We're, uh, we're selling standing room only tickets. So we've had a tremendous response. We're continuing to look to build out, you know, a waiting list for our season tickets as we move towards next year. But, you know, we've been really fortunate to have this headwind of a six and one start for sure. Well, that's really amazing. I, I guess the one other question, and maybe the last question that I have for you is trying to think about uh, sponsors. And I noticed you mentioned you have AT&T and you have T-Mobile, and I suspect you have several others. What are you doing to try and convince the uh, the sponsors that it's worth their their money? You know, just having a major professional sports franchise in Vegas, we, we've got a lot of great inquiries. Our sponsorship group, led by Jim Favola, who I had the luxury of working with, actually, at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He and I uh, go way back, and he's done a tremendous job structuring his staff the right way, and there's been a lot of interest. And and we're really trying to cultivate that. We've got a product that's pretty unique in terms of, you know, our game day experience is really unlike any other in the NHL because we're able to pull things from Vegas and the entertainment capital. So we respect the game and do it the right way, and we really honor the night throughout our game. But we also pull things like Cirque du Soleil during intermissions and have a lot of different unique Vegas elements to our game day. And so we've gotten a lot of interest from local partners 
in addition to national sponsors as well. Oh, that's really interesting. I, I, I hadn't even thought about promoting other activities that are in the Las Vegas area, but it sounds fantastic. Well, you're off to a great start on a number of different dimensions, and it sounds absolutely fantastic. So, Brian, best of luck as you go through the season. I hope the record turns out uh, to, to be well, but it sounds like the marketing and your job has been going really, really well. So congratulations on that, and thank you very much for sharing it with us. We are going to need to take a short break, but please do stay with us. Uh, When we return, I'm going to open up the phone lines uh, for the remainder of the show for any open discussion about either the interview we just had or any other questions that that you might have about marketing. If you want to join the conversation, please give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Or send us an email at businessradio.com at Sirius XM. This is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 